this is Mimi ready to read to you the tale of Mr. Jeremy Fisher by Beatrix Potter. I'm reading this from the 100th anniversary edition. Um, It's a cute little book that has stickers in the front even, but the stickers are all worn out. It was copyrighted in 1992 and the author again is Beatrix Potter. Once upon a time, there was a frog called Mr. Jeremy Fisher. He lived in a little damp house amongst the buttercups at the edge of a pond. The water was all slippy sloppy in the larder and in the back passage. But Mr. Jeremy liked getting his feet wet. Nobody ever scolded him and he never caught a cold. He was quite pleased when he looked out and saw large drops of rain splashing in the pond. I will get some worms and go fishing and catch a dish of minnows for my dinner, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. If I catch more than five fish, I will invite my friends, Mr. Alderman Plotomy Tortoise and Sir Isaac Newton. The Alderman, however, eats salad. Mimi's not sure if I said that word right. That's why I started to laugh. Mr. Jeremy put on a Macintosh and a pair of shiny galoshes. He took his rod and basket and set off with enormous hops to the place where he kept his boat. The boat was round and green and very like the other lily leaves. It was tied to a water plant in the middle of the pond. Mr. Jeremy took a reed pole and pushed the boat out into open water. I know a good place for minnows, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. Mr. Jeremy stuck his pole into the mud and fastened his boat to it. Then he settled himself cross-legged and arranged his fishing tackle. He had the dearest little red float. His rod was a tough stalk of grass. His line was a fine, long, white horsehair, and he tied a little wriggling worm at the end. The rain trickled down his back, and for nearly an hour he stared at the float. This is getting tiresome. I think I should like some lunch, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. He punted back against amongst the water plants and took some lunch out of his basket. I will eat a butterfly sandwich and wait till the shower is over, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. A great big water beetle came up underneath the lily leaf and tweaked the toe of one of his galoshes. Mr. Jeremy crossed his legs up shorter out of reach and went on eating his sandwich. Once or twice, something moved about with a rustle and a splash amongst the rushes at the side of the pond. I trust that is not a rat, said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. I think I had better get away from here. Do you think it was a rat, kids? Mr. Jeremy shoved the boat out again a little way and dropped in the bait. There was a bite almost directly. The float gave a tremendous bobbit. A minnow, a minnow, I have him by the nose, cried Mr. Jeremy Fisher, jerking up his rod. But what a horrible surprise. Instead of a smooth, fat minnow, Mr. Jeremy had landed little Jack Sharp, the stickleback, covered with spines. It's not what he wanted, huh, children? The stickleback floundered about the boat, pricking and snapping until he was quite out of breath. Then he jumped back into the water. And a shoal of other little fishes put their heads out and laughed at Mr. Jeremy Fisher. And a while Mr. Jeremy sat disconsolately on the edge of his boat, sucking his sore fingers and peering down in the water, a much worse thing happened. A really frightful thing it would have been if Mr. Jeremy had not been wearing a Macintosh. A great enormous trout came up. With a splash and it seized Mr. Jeremy with a snap. Ow, ow, ow! And then it turned and dived down to the bottom of the pond. But the trout was so displeased with the taste of the Macintosh 
that in less than half a minute it spat him out again, and the only thing it swallowed was Mr. Jeremy's galoshes. Mr. Jeremy bounced up to the surface of the water like a cork and the bubbles out of a soda water bottle. And he swam with all his might to the edge of the pond. He scrambled down the bank, first bank he came to, and he hopped home across the meadow with his Macintosh all in tatters. "'What a mercy that was not a pike,' said Mr. Jeremy Fisher. "'I have lost my rod and basket, but it does not much matter, "'for I am sure I would have never dared to go fishing again.' "'He put some sticking plaster on his fingers, "'and his friends both came to dinner. "'He could not offer them fish, but he had something else in his larder. "'Sir Isaac Newton wore his black and gold waistcoat, "'and Mr. Alderman Plotomy Tortoise brought a salad with him in a string bag.' And instead of a nice dish of minnows, they had a roasted grasshopper with ladybird sauce, which frogs consider a beautiful treat. But I think it must have been nasty. The end. This is Beatrix Potter's The Tale of the Flopsy Bunnies. The 100th Anniversary Edition. The Tale of the Flopsy Bunnies, Ottenheimer Publishers, 1992, by Beatrix Potter. It is said that the effect of eating too much lettuce is soporific. I have never felt sleepy after eating lettuces, but then I am not a rabbit. They certainly had a very soporific effect on the Flopsy Bunnies. When Benjamin Bunny grew up, he married his cousin Flopsy. They had a large family, and they were very improvident and cheerful. I do not remember the separate names of their children, but they were generally called the Flopsy Bunnies. And there was not always quite enough to eat. Benjamin used to borrow cabbages from Flopsy's brother, Peter Rabbit, who kept a nursery garden. Sometimes Peter Rabbit had no cabbages to spare. When this happened, the Flopsy Bunnies went across the field to a rubbish heap in the ditch outside Mr. McGregor's garden. Mr. McGregor's rubbish heap was a mixture. There were jam pots and paper bags and mountains of chopped grass from the mowing machine, which always tasted oily, and some rotten vegetable marrows and an old boot or two. One day, oh joy, there were a quantity of overgrown lettuces, which had shot into flour. The Flopsy Bunnies simply stuffed lettuces, By degrees, one after another, they were overcome with slumber and lay down in the mown grass. Benjamin was not so much overcome as his children. Before going to sleep, he was sufficiently wide awake to put a paper bag over his head to keep off the flies. Then the flopsy bunnies slept delightfully in the warm sun. From the lawn beyond the garden came the distinct clackety sound of the mowing machine. The blue bottles buzzed about the wall and a little old mouse picked over the rubbish among the jam pots. I can tell you her name. She was called Thomasina Tittlemouse, a wood mouse with a long tail. She wrestled across the paper bag and awakened Benjamin Bunny. The mouse apologized profusely and said that she knew Peter Rabbit. While she and Benjamin were talking, close under the wall, they heard a heavy tread above their heads. And suddenly Mr. McGregor emptied out a sackful of lawn mowings right on top of the sleeping Flopsy Bunnies. Benjamin shrank down under his paper bag. The mouse hid in a jam pot. The little rabbits smiled sweetly in their sleep under the shower of grass. They did not awake because the lettuces had been so soporific. They dreamt that their mother Flopsy was tucking them up in a hay bed. Mr. McGregor 
looked down after emptying his sack. He saw some funny little brown tips of ears sticking up through the lawn mowings. He stared at them for some time. Presently, a fly settled on one of them and it moved. Mr. McGregor climbed down onto the rubbish heap. One, two, three, four, five, six little rabbits. He says, little rabbits, he said as he dropped them into his sack. The Flopsy Bunnies dreamt that their mother was turning them over in bed. They stirred a little in their sleep, but still they did not wake up. Mr. McGregor tied up the sack and left it on the wall. He went to put away the mowing machine. While he was gone, Mrs. Flopsy Bunny, who had remained at home, came across the field. She looked suspiciously at the sack and wondered where everybody was. Then the mouse came out of her jam pot and Benjamin took the paper bag off his head and they told the doleful tale. Benjamin and Flopsy were in despair. They could not undo the string. But Mrs. Tittlemouse was a resourceful person. She nibbled a hole in the bottom corner of the sack. The little rabbits were pulled out and pinched to wake them up, to wake them. Their parents stuffed the empty sack with three rotten vegetable marrows, an old blacking brush, and two decayed turnips. Then they all hid under a bush and watched for Mr. McGregor. Mr. McGregor came back and picked up the sack and carried it off. He carried it hanging down as if it were rather heavy. They watched him go into his house, and then they crept up to the window to listen. Mr. McGregor threw down the sack on the stone floor in a way that would have been extremely painful to the Flopsy Bunnies if they had happened to have been inside. They could hear him drag his chair on the flags and chuckle. One, two, three, four, five, six little rabbits, said Mr. McGregor. Eh? What's that? What have they been spoiling now, inquired Mrs. McGregor. One, two, three, four, five, six little fat rabbits, he repeated repeated Mr. McGregor, counting on his fingers. One, two, three. Don't you be silly. What do you mean, you silly old man? In the sack. One, two, three, four, five, six, replied Mr. McGregor. The youngest Flopsy Bunny got up on the windowsill. Mrs. McGregor took hold of the sack and felt it. She said she could feel six, but they must be old rabbits because they were so hard in all different shapes. Not fit to eat, but the skins will do fine to line my old cloak. Line your old cloak, shouted Mr. McGregor. I shall sell them and buy myself backy. Rabbit tobacco. I shall skin them and cut off their heads. Mrs. McGregor untied the sack and put her hand inside. When she felt the vegetables, she became very, very angry. She said that Mr. McGregor had done it on purpose. And Mr. McGregor was very angry too. One of the rotten marrows came flying through the kitchen window and hit the youngest Flopsy Bunny. It was rather hurt. Then Benjamin and Flopsy thought that it was time to go home. So Mr. McGregor did not get his tobacco, and Mrs. McGregor did not get a rabbit skins. But next Christmas, Thomasina Tittlemouse got a present of enough rabbit wool to make herself a cloak and a hood and a handsome muff and a pair of warm mittens. The Tale of Squirrel Nutkin by Beatrix Potter, 100th Anniversary Edition, and this is published, like the others, by Ottenheimer Publishers, 1992. And it was written a long time before that, like 100 years or more, huh? This is a tale about a tale, a tale that belonged to a little red squirrel, and his name was Nutkin. 
He had a brother called Twingleberry and a great many cousins. They lived in a wood at the edge of a lake. In the middle of the lake, there's an island covered with trees and nut bushes, and amongst those trees stands a hollow oak tree, which is the house of an owl who is called Old Brown. One autumn, when the nuts were ripe and the leaves on the hazel bushes were golden and green, Nutkin and Twinkleberry and all the other little squirrels came out of the wood and down to the edge of the lake. They made little rafts out of twigs and they paddled away over the water to Owl Island to gather nuts. Each squirrel had a little sack and a large oar and spread out his tail for a sail. They also took with them an offering of three fat mice as a present for Old Brown and put them down upon his doorstep. Then Twinkleberry and the other little squirrels each made a low bow and said politely, Old Mr. Brown, will you favor us with permission to gather nuts upon your island? But Nutkin was excessively impertinent in his manners. He bobbed up and down like a little red cherry, singing, Riddle me, riddle me, rote tote tote, a wee little man in a red, red coat, staff in his hand and a stone in his throat. If you tell me this riddle, I'll give you a groat. Now this riddle is as old as the hills, but Mr. Brown paid no attention whatever to Nutkin. He shut his eyes obstinately and went to sleep. The squirrels filled their sacks with nuts and sailed away home in the evening. But next morning they all came back again to Owl Island and Twinkleberry and the others brought a fine fat mole and laid it on the stone in front of Old Brown's doorway and said, Mr. Brown, will you favor us with your gracious permission to gather some more nuts? But Nutkin, who had no respect, began to dance up and down, tickling old Mr. Brown with a nettle and singing, Oh, Mr. B, riddle me re, hitty pity within the wall, hitty pity without the wall. If you touch hitty pity, hitty pity will bite you. Mr. Brown woke up suddenly and carried the mole into his house. He shut the door in Nutkin's face. Presently, a little thread of blue smoke from a wood fire came up from the top of the tree, and Nutkin peeped through the keyhole and sang, A house full, a hole full, and, can't, and you cannot gather a bowl full. The squirrels searched for nuts all over the island and filled their little sacks, but Nutkin gathered oak apples, yellow and scarlet, and sat upon the beech stump playing marbles and watched the door of old Mr. Brown. Was he a hard worker, kids? No, he's not respectful or nice, is he? On the third day, the squirrels got up very early and went fishing. They caught seven fat minnows as a present for old Mr. Brown. They paddled over the lake and landed under a crooked chestnut tree on Owl Island. Twinkleberry and six other little squirrels each carried a fat minnow, but Nutkin, who had no nice manners, brought no present at all. He ran in front, singing, The man in the wilderness said to me, How many strawberries grow in the sea? Answered him, As I thought good, as many red herrings as grow in the wood. But old Mr. Brown took no interest in riddles, not even when the answer was provided for him. <clears throat> On the fourth day, the squirrels brought, brought a present of six fat beetles, which were as good as plums in plum pudding for old Brown. Each beetle was wrapped up carefully in a dock leaf, fastened with a pine needle pin, but Nutkin sang as rudely as ever, Old Mr. B, riddle me re, flower of England, fruit of Spain, met together in a shower of rain, Put in a bag, tied round with a string. If you tell me this riddle, I'll give you a ring. Which was ridiculous of Nutkin because he had not got any ring to old, give old Brown. The other squirrels hunted up and down the nut bushes, but Nutkin gathered Robin, Robin's pin cushions off a briar bush and stuck them full of pine needle pins. On the fifth day, the squirrels 
brought a present of wild honey. It was so sweet and sticky that they licked their fingers as they put it down upon the stone. They had stolen it out of a bumblebee's nest on the tippity top of the hill. But Nutkin skipped up and down singing, Hummadum buzz, buzz, hummadum buzz. As I went over tipple time, I met a flock of bonny swine, some yellow-necked and some yellow-backed. They were the very bonniest swine that ever went over the tipple time. Old Mr. Brown turned up his eyes in disgust at the impertinence of Nutkin, but he ate the honey. The squirrels filled their little sacks with nuts, but Nutkin sat upon a big flat rock and played nine pins with a crabapple and green fir cones. If you notice, in the story, each page that has a rhyme, they do give the answer. In the book, it's written in a different kind of writing called italics. But if you're really listening carefully, you can find it too. On the sixth day, which was Saturday, the squirrels came again for the last time. They brought a new laid egg in a little rush basket as a last parting present for Old Brown. But Nutkin ran in front laughing and shouting, Humpty Dumpty lies in the beck with a white counterpane around his neck. Forty doctors and forty rights can it put Humpty Dumpty to rights. And now Old Mr. Brown took an interest in eggs. He did he he opened one eye and shut it again, but still he did not speak. Nutkin became more and more impertinent. Oh, Mr. B, oh, Mr. B, Hickamore, Hackamore on the king's kitchen door. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't drive Hickamore, Hackamore off the king's kitchen door. Nutkin danced up and down like a sunbeam, but still Old Brown said nothing at all. Nutkin began again. Our thorough bower has broken his band. He comes roaring up up the land. The king of Scots with all his power cannot turn Arthur of the Bower. What do you think is going to happen, children? Nutkin made a whirring noise to the sound like the wind and he took a running jump right onto the head of Old Brown. Then all at once there was a flutterment and a scufflement and a loud squeak. The other squirrels scuttered away into the bushes when they came back very cautiously peeping around the tree. There was old Brown sitting on his doorstep, quite still, with his eyes closed, as if nothing had happened. But Nutkin was in his waistcoat pocket. This looks like the end of the story, but it isn't. Old Brown carried Nutkin into his house and held him up by the tail, intending to skin him. But Nutkin pulled so very hard that his tail broke in two, and he dashed up the staircase and escaped out of the attic window. And to this day, if you meet Nutkin up a tree and ask him a riddle, he will throw sticks at you and stamp his feet and scold and shout, The end. Hello, Mimi's going to talk to you about a few of the words in these three books. Mrs. or Ms. I think it was, Beatrix Potter. I don't believe she was ever married, but we'd have to look into that. Was a very interesting lady, and she had a great vocabulary. Vocabulary means she knew lots of words. And she also lived a while back. She lived a long time ago. As we said, these books were written over 100 years ago. Um, So some of the words we might not use today. And I wanted to tell you, in the book, um, Jeremy Fisher, there's a character called... Mr. Ptolemy, let me look up his name. Mr. Ptolemy, one minute, sorry. His name is Mr. Mr. Jeremy Fisher's friend. It's Mr. Alderman Ptolemy Tortoise, and that is a long name. Alderman means someone who works like on a city council or helps with the government. And Ptolemy was a name of a man who was a 
mathematician. He worked with math and numbers. A geographer, that means he worked with maps and countries and where things are, like rivers and oceans and mountains. And an astronomer, that means he studied the stars in the sky. So that's where um, Beatrix Potter got that name Ptolemy. And then she says the name Tortoise as his last name is Tortoise. Well, Tortoise, some of you know, but that means turtle, doesn't it? That's a kind of a turtle. Also in the story, they talk about a Macintosh because uh, Mr. Jeremy is fishing and then he gets caught towards the end, right? First, the stickleback, which is a fish, gets up on his little his little um, boat or raft, which is really just a, a lily pad, isn't it? And that's a kind of a fish. And the other kinds of fish in the story are pike, trout, minnow, and stickleback. Those are all kinds of fish. And then along towards the end, um, Mr. Jeremy sitting on the edge of his boat. And then the frightful thing happened. It said, if Mr. Jeremy would, it would have been really frightful if Mr. Jeremy had not been wearing a Macintosh, it says. And a great enormous trout came up and it seized Mr. Jeremy with a snap. So his Macintosh is actually just a really long raincoat, but we don't use that word today. So that's a Macintosh. You can call your long raincoat or long waterproof coat a Macintosh and see if someone knows what you're talking about. Be sure if you're younger and you teach someone, or even if you're not younger, if you're older and you teach someone, be sure you have a humble attitude and you're kind about it, right? Galoshes is a funny one we don't use. Galoshes, those are like a rain boot or an overshoe. They go over your regular shoes. So they're like a floppy kind of rain boot, galoshes. And the word larder is used at the beginning of the book. And that is sort of like a pantry, but it's usually a room or maybe a large cupboard, but it's for food storage. It's called a larder. Then if we go on to the Flopsy Bunnies book, there's some good words in there. The one big word is soporific. I think I'm saying that correctly. Soporific or soporific, I think it's soporific. It means to make you sleepy. Lettuce can make you sleepy. That's what they were talking about in the Flopsy Bunnies, weren't they? Rubbish is just like trash, isn't it? Rubbish, trash, garbage, that's all about the same. Profusely means a large amount or a whole bunch, right? Suspiciously, that's a good word, suspiciously. Um, I forget who was looking suspiciously. I think it was Mr. McGregor was looking suspiciously down at the rabbit's ears in the pile of rubbish. Um, but suspiciously means you're just a little bit cautious. You're not sure. And you might be a little bit distant. You're just very careful looking at something suspiciously. Tobacco, they talked about in there because Mr. McGregor wanted to make get some money to buy some tobacco. And he also calls it backy at one time, but it's still tobacco. And that is a plant that's grown here in America in the southeast, usually. And um, they make different kinds of products out of it, like cigarettes, cigars, and so forth like that. And it's addictive. That means you want more of it if you get it. Tobacco. And then if we go on to Squirrel Nutkin for the last of our conversation here to learn about the story. Um, Squirrel Nutkin has a lot of rhymes or riddles in it. Rhymes and riddles are kind of similar, aren't they? But a rhyme is more like a nursery rhyme, like Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. And it doesn't really have a trick or a joke to it. A riddle has sort of a puzzle or a joke. And Squirrel Nutkin is very disobedient, not very nice at all. And they use several words to talk about his attitude. He has a uh, very rude, uh, um, Hispanics would say, uneducated or maleducada um, attitude. Impertinent, they say. He was excessively impertinent on the one page. 
um, which means very bad mannered and excessively impertinent in his manners. And he told these riddles to be mean. You could tell riddles to have fun, but you could also tell them to be mean. In the Bible, there's a riddle. When we talk about the story of Samson, there's a riddle there, isn't there? Well, in this book, when the riddle is on each page, the page also has the answer. And if you have the book with you, the, the answer should be in italics. That means the the letters turn slightly to the side, like they're leaning over and they might fall down. That's italics. So in this page that I was on with him, he's being impertinent. There's no page number, sorry. It says, riddle me, riddle me, wrote, tote, tote, a wee little man in a red, red coat, staff in his hand and a stone in his throat. If you tell me this riddle, I'll give you a groat. And if you look on that page, you can find the answer. And then you can think about, oh, yes, I'll tell you this one. It's a cherry. It says it. He bobbed up and down like a little red cherry. And cherry is in italics. So if you think about it, a wee little man in a red, red coat. That's the cherry, the red, red coat. A staff in his hand and a stone in his throat. What do you think the staff could be? Hmm. I think it's a cherry stem, isn't it? And a stone in his throat. What would that be? A staff in his hand and a stone in his throat. The stone would be the cherry pit or the seed. Yeah. If, I, if you tell me this riddle, I'll give you a groat. I didn't look up groat, but I'm pretty sure that's a kind of money from back then. We'll have to check that one for you. Uh, besides rhymes and riddles and squirrel nutkin, they have plum pudding, which was an old-fashioned pudding they made long ago when these books were written. And it was usually made out of plums, but then later they made it out of raisins or currants and spices. And that was a special treat and dessert. And then he puts Squirrel Nutkin, the owl ends up putting Squirrel Nutkin in his waistcoat pocket, it says. Waistcoat pocket, I believe. I'll check that for you. And a waistcoat was sort of like a vest. Sort of like a vest. And if in the pictures in my book, he doesn't have a vest on. So I'm not quite sure what that meant. But maybe he just tucked him inside his feathers. But they say, um, let me see. There was old Brown sitting on the doorstep quite still with his eyes closed as if nothing had happened, but Nutkin was in his waistcoat pocket. And his waistcoat, Mimi double-checked the dictionary, um, said it sort of like a vest, an old-fashioned vest, similar to that. So those are the words for you today and the vocabulary and talking about our fun stories. I'm glad you could listen with me. And if you want to, if your mommy lets you, you can subscribe to my podcast if you haven't if you are a child if you are an adult you can subscribe to my podcast so other people can see the fun stories and bible stories and things that Mimi has on here all right talk to you later sweethearts